Jesus is so good. You know, the last couple of weeks we've been looking at book of James chapter one and uh, talking about count it all joy when we fall into various trials and temptations. And uh, we read a scripture like that, count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, our first reaction is like, wait, what? Why would I count it all joy when I'm going through a trial? That's not the first thing that I think of when trials hit my life. It's like, yes. But he says, count it all joy. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work. Look at that. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Nothing. And we looked at those scriptures and what they meant in the original Greek, and it was like body, soul, and spirit that God wants you to lack nothing. And so how can we count it all joy? Well, we looked at that over the past few weeks. We can count it all joy because we have God in the middle of it. He didn't send the trial, but we have him in the middle of it. And so we have the opportunity. Why can we count it all joy? Because we have the opportunity in the middle of a trial to ask God for wisdom and to see a situation as he would see it. Now we're talking about a God who has the beginning from the end. We've been talking about that. that he, he slain Jesus before the foundation of the world. He had the answer before the problem ever arrived. And so when we're walking through life and trials and tribulation come to us, we can count it all joy because we have the God who already has the answer to the problem before it ever came into our life. And so we have the ability to connect with him in wisdom and to view a situation like nobody else can on the earth. Only people that belong to him. Only people that are in his kingdom have the ability to seek God and, and, and to see a situation from the beginning to the end. So we have this treasure in earthen vessels, the Holy Ghost that walks with us, that, that teaches us, that guides us, that we can be in a trial and we can go, yes, why? Because we have God and we can see a situation as God would show us. We can look from God's perspective and God always wins. And so when we see a trial and tribulation, we can be joyous. Why? Because he always wins and we're connected to the one who always wins. And he tells us to ask for wisdom in the next scripture, to ask for that wisdom. Why? So that we always win. And so we have the ability in the middle of a trial. It's not that God sent it, but we have the ability and we have the opportunity now to see as God sees and to have God develop our character, to be more like Jesus, to make us stronger, because we seek him for the answer. I said this last few weeks, but I remember an old preacher used to say that trials and tribulations were like weights to a bodybuilder. They're hard and it takes work, but the outcome makes you stronger, makes you mature, the Bible says. It makes you perfect, lacking nothing. And victory, is anybody victorious in here? I am. But victory always has a battle. You can't say I'm victorious. Victorious over what? Over something that requires a battle. David had his Goliath. Joshua had his Jericho. Gideon had to strip down the army to fight a big army to become Gideon. And so we've been discussing Joseph over the last few weeks, not Mary's Joseph, but Joseph in, Gen in the book of Genesis. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. We've been looking at Joseph and how Joseph went through so many trials and tribulations, so many. But at the end of it all, when he had the opportunity to kill his brothers who started all the problems for him, rather than kill him, he blessed them and he said, what was meant for evil, God turned for good. And so we have the ability to look at all trials and tribulations, doesn't matter where they come from, how hard they are, doesn't matter how big the devil is. We have the ability to seek God, seek the wind, and at the end of it all, turn it for good. Not only win, 
not only get through the opportunity, but to turn it for good. So not only, whoo, I'm out of that thing, I'm out of that thing, and you should have seen what God did in the middle of that. Usually with other people that are around us. You know, in the book of Colossians, chapter four, verses five and six, I've mentioned this many times over the years, but the scripture says, walk in wisdom. There's that wisdom again that God's wisdom towards those who are outside redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. And so it's very easy, leave that up for a second, it's very easy to talk to people. How are we supposed to talk to people? Gracefully. Gracefully. And it's a challenge. I mean, that's some of the trials and tribulation. We don't want to talk to some of the people gracefully. I don't, there's some people in my life I don't want to talk to gracefully. Sometimes I'm just too busy. Sometimes I just don't like the way they look, (laughs) right? But it says, walk in wisdom to those who are outside, redeeming the time. Now that word time there is a word we used to look at in the past years. Remember that kairos? And it means just an allotment in our timeline that God created in our timeline. It's just a piece of time. It's just a little nugget of time. And the Bible tells that we're supposed to redeem that time. You know what that redeem word means? It means purchase back or buy back. And so what does it mean? It means we live in a fallen world. And so these trials and tribulations, they don't come from God. They come because we live in a fallen world. And God says that he gives us an opportunity every second. He gives us an opportunity when death comes our way, when trials come our way, that we have an opportunity to seek for wisdom. And in that seeking for wisdom, we have the opportunity to just purchase that back from the devil. It's a fallen world and we go, nope, we're redeeming this back for the kingdom of God. And so we look at trials differently and this is the fight because it's hard. And then I'm with you guys there. It's like when we're in the middle of a trial and tribulation, it's sometimes hard to see. It's hard to see anything good. It's hard, never mind rejoice. But when you seek God and you hang out with God, that changes. You feel joyous because he gives us a peace that's not of this world. He gives us a joy that's not of this world. And then we can seek him, the one who has the answer to everything. And we can go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't need to just get out of this. I need to buy this back for the kingdom. Devil, no, I'm purchasing this back for the kingdom of God. You thought you owned this piece of time? No, 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 no. A believer just showed up. Yeah. Right? And we purchase it back. And we just take it out of his hands for the kingdom of God. And so we've been talking about Joseph doing that very thing. There's none like him in the Bible, like doing this that we can see. I mean, obviously Jesus, but there's none like Joseph. I mean, his brothers throw him down a pit. They sell him into slavery. The slaves go and he's in Potiphar's house and he's serving Potiphar. And it just looks like everything's about to go good. And Potiphar's wife has an eye for him and tries to take him to bed and he refuses. He's like, no, I'm not playing that. I'm with God. And so she lies and says that Joseph tried to rape her. Now he's in jail. And when we looked at his story, when we looked at his story, he had the best attitude I think I've seen anybody in the scripture other than Jesus. Just, he could see God in all those trials and tribulation. He could see God and he was buying back moments of time. You know, when he first ends up, they're like bidding for him. He's a slave. And Potiphar buys him. And in Genesis chapter 39, verse 1 to 6, it said this. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. He's just a slave. He doesn't know what's going to happen to him. 
Now he's just been purchased as a slave. And what's the next line? The Lord was with Joseph. If you just got purchased as a slave, would that be your next line? You'd be like, God, why have you forsaken me? Right? He was just purchased as a slave. And he's like, the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And the master saw that the Lord was with him. You see, it's tangible. People see it when we walk in the wisdom of God, when we do things God's ways, when we walk in his principles, when we have God's attitude. They see it. And the master saw that the Lord was with him. And the Lord made all he did to prosper because he seeked for wisdom, just like in the book of James. So Joseph found favor in his sight, walking in the wisdom of God. But I love this. He found the wisdom of God and served Potiphar. So I'm going to be fairly quick here right now, but I just had a couple of takeaways from the last few weeks that I just wanted to share this morning about this, my takeaways from Joseph's walk. Obviously, Joseph being sold into slavery is not God's perfect will. But the fall is not a perfect will for his life. You know what I'm saying. We can get all theological and you know, there had to be a fall to have the redemption, all that kind of stuff. I'm just saying God's perfect will for our lives is not to be walking or falling or doing things we shouldn't do. And so it's obviously not God's perfect will for Joseph to be sold into slavery and become a slave to Potiphar. And so I've meditated on this last couple of weeks. And although it may not be God's perfect will, it could be God's perfect will for the moment. I want you just to hear that for a second. Although it might not be God's original perfect will, it could be God's perfect will for the moment. And so you might go, okay, ah, this is not your perfect will. Or there's all these trials coming in my life. You might be right. But we should be seeking for God's perfect will in that moment that we're walking in. Because God knows how to turn what is meant for evil to good. And if we're always going, oh, we shouldn't be in this. Oh, we shouldn't be in this. We're going to spend all of it doing, oh, we shouldn't be in this. Rather than, God, I'm in this. I'm now seeking your wisdom. And you become in the perfect will of God for the moment. And so, you know what's so awesome about that? No matter how much we screwed up, at any point, at any time of day, we can go, God, I need your wisdom. And it becomes his perfect will for the moment. Isn't that awesome? Yes. I was meditating this last couple of weeks. So it's like, no matter, it's such a cool thing. It's like, God, I'm struggling, all this kind of stuff, and I'm not doing your will and all this stuff, and I'm just acting like an idiot, and things aren't going right, da 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 Anytime you can go, God, I count it all joy what I'm in the middle of right now, and I seek your wisdom, and boom, you have now become in God's perfect will for the moment. And your next step is in the kingdom of God. Isn't that cool? Yes. We can look at things. It's just adjustment of an attitude. It's just an adjustment of an attitude. It's like, oh God, I shouldn't be here. And he could be like, you're right, but you want to see something cool while you're there now? Right? It could be not his perfect will, but it would become his perfect will for the moment as we begin to buy back, redeem those moments of time that have fallen. Another thing that I took away from Joseph's life this week that I haven't really before is how much influence Joseph had on the people around him. Because they saw that the Lord was with him. They saw. But what was so interesting to me and what I took away from it this time around as I read it this time around is kingdom position and worldly position can look really different. Which means I would rather take wisdom or advice from somebody who looks like nobody in the world 
when they're walking in the moment and redeeming the time, then I would take from anybody at the highest authority in the world. The wisdom of God from a simple servant that would just call on the name of the Lord. Exactly what I'm talking about. For us to cry out, God, let me be your next word. Let me be your next word. It looks much different. The Bible says that Naaman was a captain of the guard. Anybody know about Naaman's story in the Bible? He was like way up there in the military, way up there. But he was a leper. And no one really knew yet, but he knew. And it was just a moment of time before he was going to be a nobody. And he was way up in the military, Naaman was. And there was a maid in the household that said, I know a prophet in Israel that you ought to go down and see. Now, many of you know the story. If you don't, he went down there. The prophet really didn't didn't give him too much time of day. He just said, go dip in the Jordan seven times, which sounds really stupid. But Elijah was walking in the moment. He was redeeming time. And Naaman's response was, does this guy know who I am? And then another one of his servants said to him, sir, if he'd asked you to do something grandiose, you would have done it. Why not just do something that's so simple as dip in the Jordan seven times? The king didn't tell him that. The servant told him that. And he went, one, two, three, four, five, six. And he's probably thinking, the prophet's trying to make a fool out of me. But I'm sure that servant was just saying, one more time. Boom, comes up clean. Healed. Not because of what his king told him to do. It's because a maid servant and another servant that walked by his side, walking in the kingdom of God, redeeming moments back from the enemy. How is that so cool? It's like anybody here this morning at any position in time can be the voice of the wisdom of Almighty God. And you can become influential no matter where you sit. Where you stand, you are an influence. Why are we always waiting for something to happen in our lives so that we can do something? Do it now. God, seek the wisdom. Not only for us, but seek the wisdom for those who are around us. Why? Because the Bible says that people will see God in your life. They'll see God. And so kingdom position looks a lot different than worldly position. And that's why the Bible says when this thing wraps up, we are going to have no clue what the order looks like in the kingdom of God. It says those who are least honored on this earth will be the greatest honored in the kingdom of heaven. And so influence looks really different. And influence almost always when you read the scripture, when it comes to the wisdom of God, influence almost always comes from a place of serving, servitude. You want to be God's voice? Speaking, preaching to me too. I want to be God's voice. Serve. Serve who? Well, we're too busy serving ourselves most of the time. And I'm not talking about just your closest family. I'm talking about you serve humanity who God puts in front of you. And when we try to categorize them like this is important and they're not, 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 we might be completely upside down in the kingdom of God. Those who we think are lowest, maybe we've got to get our shoulder under them because that's how we're going to be judged. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 and so on. I think it's 9. 
We've talked about those judgments before. And it's not going to be about how many people knew you, how wonderful you were on this earth. It's going to be, what did we build on the kingdom of God? What did we build on the foundation of Christ? Every word, everything we speak to people, every bad thing we talk about something else. Yes, we are not going to be judged and going to hell. Thank God we've been saved from that. But the Bible says you're tested with fire. And everything negative, everything not built on the foundation of Christ, the Bible says, boom, when it hits the fire, it's gone. And the only thing that is left is what has been built on the foundation of Christ. And not only is it left, the Bible says it's refined and stronger and we walk into into eternity. Do not be worried about what you look like in this life other than the kingdom of God. Your influence, your position is a place of servanthood. When you are the great, the Bible says, Jesus himself said, when they asked who would sit on my right hand or my left, he said, it's not for me, it's for my father to make that decision because the father can weigh the heart. And it's going to be who was the greatest servant in this earth, who was a taker and who was a giver, who made people feel like they were worth a million bucks and who took away their dignity. And all that's going to be judged. And the greatest in the kingdom of God will be the greatest servants in the kingdom of God. You want to do great things in the kingdom of God? If I want to do great things in the kingdom of God, I got to serve. I got to be humble. I got to put people ahead of me. I do. And so those are my takeaways from Joseph. And really it just comes down to attitude. Peter reminded me of a sermon I preached years ago, but it says attitude determines your altitude. Attitude will determine your altitude in the kingdom of God. It really will. And God, I'm speaking to me. God, help me to see differently. Help me to see circumstances differently. Help me to see people differently. And it's not something that's just going to come because we're so good. It's going to take this stuff, hearing God, his word, spending time being transformed in his presence, asking for the heart of God, asking God to use us in his way. You know how we can count it all joy? Jesus, 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 Jesus. Father, I thank you for a great morning. I thank you for your presence. I thank you that we've been changed, transformed, and renewed this morning. You've taken us in the sanctification process from glory unto glory unto glory, from faith unto faith. God, we are leaving this place differently than we walked in. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you we're going to be guided in this week in a whole new way. God, that your voice is going to be more sensitive to us. God, oh God, we're going to sense your presence and the unction when we need to be good to people and talk to people and seek your wisdom, God. We are seekers of your wisdom. We are seekers of your wisdom, God. And we know that you give it to us liberally, God. Even this morning, you have downloaded your wisdom for so many trials and tribulations into our life here this morning, God. We are more than conquerors. We are overcomers of these things that we face in life because we have you and the beautiful name, the name of Jesus, the name above every name, the name where there's none like yours. Everybody just whisper that name one more time. Jesus.